Well, it is Thanksgiving week, and uh, I hope you have so many things that you are thankful for. We've been in a series called Stewardship, and, and part of what we are talking about in this series has to do with thankfulness, because one of the best ways that you can show your thankfulness to God is by stewarding the things that He's given you to oversee. And so that's what we've been talking about for a few weeks. The first couple weeks, we talked about um, the mindset of a steward. Just, just having that proper mindset that is necessary uh, to, to go through life with. Richard, can you turn me down just a little bit? I feel like I got a little ringing in my ear. But the, the first thing that we talked about is the mindset. Having the mindset of a steward, which is understanding that everything actually belongs to God. And you may think you understand that until it's time for you to give something up. And you'll see in your own heart and in your own mind. Or, and when you need to sacrifice some of your time or some of your ability or some of your money, then you realize maybe I'm holding on to this a little too tight. And you don't actually see it completely like God owns it. And that's what we talked about the first couple of weeks. We're not going to go there again this morning. Um, so we've talked about the attitude and the mindset. This morning, we're going to specifically talk about uh, the area of money and the area of finances. Now, did y'all see what just happened in the room? It just, I've never had a colder reception to a sermon title in my life. So that just shows me how much we really need this. So let's get right into it this morning. No, for, for some people... Money is like a cuss word in church. Like, it would have been worse if I'd got up here and just started cussing. Because for some of you, be more offended by that word money in church. Now, I have to tell you a little bit about my story because I, I can understand that. Because I kind of grew up, um, well, I've just been in church my whole life. And so many of you know my story. But I've, I've seen everything there is to see when it comes to churches. And when I was a young person, I got a little bit turned off to the discussion of money in, and in church. And it was just, I think, because it was kind of went overboard, you know, and it was, seemed like it was just talked about so much. And I was in, I had been in churches where, you know, like if some of y'all, y'all miss my offering sermon. I, I do it right at the beginning of church, and half of y'all don't show up till, at, till middle of worship anyway, so you don't even get to hear. You're like, we don't ever receive an offering at church. No, you just don't come on time, so you don't hear it. Uh, we do get an offering here at church, but no, but, you know, my, my offering sermons are very short, three to five minutes. Now, I used to be in churches where they were about 30 minutes. And if you didn't watch it, okay, and there wasn't enough amens, it could go on 45 minutes, you know, just for, just for offering. So we've never done that. That's not who we are. That's, that's not how I believe in getting resources for the church. You know, when, when we started the church, I kind of had that conversation with the Lord of, you know, if this is what you want me to do, I'm going to need you to provide for it because I'm not going to be getting up every Sunday beating people over the head trying to, you know, just squeeze, squeeze out every last little dime they have to pay for the, the stuff that you want done. And I remember God spoke to me so early in the beginning of this church. He said, I'm going to carry the finances of this ministry. And so if you've been a part of this church for any amount of time, you know, I don't get up here and beat people over the head with finances, even when, even when we're in the middle of a building project. You know, we, we were doing phase one, uh, trying to pay off this building, doing phase one for the student center. Um, 
We didn't get up here and take pledges. All right, who's going to give $50 a month? You know, help us. We didn't do all that. You know, because we had, I, I really believe that God spoke to me in the beginning that if you just do what's right, I'm going to take care of the financial part. And my mindset from the beginning has been this, and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but you are not the source for the church. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't look at the people as the source for the church. God is the source for the church. And I've always had that mindset and mentality. Um, so that's not why we're talking about this this morning, okay? The reason why we're talking about this is because this has to do with your discipleship. And this has to do with every believer's discipleship. If they don't understand that every part of your life has to be submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, they're going to just reach a certain level and plateau. Because this is an area that is important to God. Now, you may not like it, but it's an area that's important to God. And sometimes people may think, well, God doesn't care what I do with my money. Well, you haven't read the scripture. God cares very much what you do with your money. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Again, y'all are still a hair cold, but that's okay. I'm going to just keep going forward, and I believe you're with me this morning. All right, Luke chapter 16, verse 10. We're going to start there. Jesus said, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Here's what Jesus was saying in that passage. He was saying that money is a test for God. For, for you to demonstrate something to God. This is what he said. One who is faithful in very little. He's talking about money. He says he's also faithful in much. In other words, if a person can be trusted with money, which he calls little. In other words, it's, it's really insignificant. Money's not. That's the world system. And, and God thinks on a higher level than that. So he's not. You know, he doesn't consider money this big thing like our world does. But what he's saying is, if you're faithful in very little, you're also going to be faithful in much. If you can be trusted with money. God says, I can trust you with other stuff, stuff that's really important to my heart, stuff that's really important to the kingdom. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. In other words, if you can't be trusted with money, I know that I can't trust you with anything. Then he applies it specifically to money so that we are clear. He says, if then you have not been faithful with wealth, what he calls unrighteous wealth, if you're not faithful with money, who will entrust to you the true riches, those things that are more valuable than money? This is what God is saying. If, if I can't trust you with finances, why would I trust you with anything that I consider more valuable than finances? Because I'm watching you in the small things to see if I can trust you with greater things. Here's what you need to know. Prosperity and resources are always a test. Every time you get money, it's a test. It's a test of your character. It's a test of your obedience. It's a test of whether or not you're faithful to God and whether or not he's first in your life or is, you know, is money first or is that new house first or is getting a BMW first or on and on. God's not against any of those things, but he wants to know that he's first in your life. Amen. So in order to be a successful steward, and to be counted faithful, 
which is what our series is about. We need to know how God thinks about these things. So I'm going to give you some really specific things that I think uh, are important to God and that I see from Scripture. Okay, number one is this. I believe that God expects all of his children to tithe. And we're going to talk about what that is. This is a principle that was implemented in Scripture from the very beginning all the way to the very end. It's all throughout the Bible. The principle of the tithe. The word tithe literally means 10%. So 10% of whatever you get, God says the first part of it is mine. That's how he sees it. Now, that might not be how you see it, but that's how he sees it. And you don't ever want there to be a gap between how you see it and how God sees it, right? Because he's right. So God, and, and here's the thing about this that I've seen people struggle with. They, they, you got two types of people. One person th- has this mentality, and I don't know if it's because how they were raised or they're very distrustful of people or what it is. They have this mentality that maybe God, the church, the pastor, somebody is trying to get something from them when they talk about money. And then the other side, maybe they had, you know, a good experience with all of this, with church and God and and all of this. And so that's not how they see it. They understand what's really going on, which is that actually God's trying to get something to you. That's a big difference. And when you read the scripture, that's really what you understand is this. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. Believe it or not, God set up tithing to protect you. God set up tithing to protect your heart because he knows the tendency of of sinful man's heart towards idolatry and towards of having other sinful things that are first in their life instead of God. So so here's the, the reason why he set up tithing was so that our hearts would remain faithful to him and that as we as we tithe we would keep God first in our life but also something else would happen. Every time that we tie this an act of faith. And what we do through that act of faith is we get God involved in our finances. And look, if I could just, if you could take anything away from my sermon, okay, if you just get this one thing, here's what I want you to know. Your 90%, after you've given 10% to God, your 90% will go further and be more blessed than your 100% will when you are not tithing and you're out of the will of God. And, and if I could just get you to understand that, if I could get people to see that and understand that, if we believe God's word, this is the, this is the situation. When you tithe and you put God's kingdom first, your 90% will go way further than if you held on to the whole thing. And, and so sometimes people make statements like that. They say, well, you know, I just can't afford to tithe. And I know if you've been in church, it's one of those cheesy statements I heard my whole life. Well, you can't afford not to. <laughs> and it's true. It's true, you can't afford to. As a matter of fact, the the very statement itself, if someone says, well, I can't afford to tithe, you mean you're that bad off? So so your situation does need, you're saying your situation does need some help. Your situation does need some some change. You might need a little bit of blessing on your situation if you're saying, I can't afford to tithe. Well, well, yeah, so that, that shows you right there that you may need a little change in that area. But you know what? You ask anybody who is tithing. You ask anybody who faithfully gives that part to God. They're blessed coming in. They're blessed going out. I hear it all the time. I can't tell you the joy that I've had as a pastor of having people come to me, you know, after a search, say, hey, we we saw this in the Word. We wanted to start doing this. And immediately, these things begin happening in my life. Now, look, I'm not going to promise you that because it's it's not like a genie, okay? You don't rub the lamp and 
It doesn't work like that. And really, the, the correct heart is, if I never got anything in return, I would do this because I'm putting God first and his kingdom first in my life. Okay? But that's not how God looks at it. Okay, God, God doesn't expect you to give and not know that something's coming in return. Matter of fact, we're going to look at plenty of scriptures on that this morning. Okay, here's another very important thing that you need to understand about tithing. Because some people may think, well, tithing is just an Old Testament thing. It was part of the law, which there is, there is some truth in that. That tithing was explained in you know, Exodus and Leviticus as part of the law. But tithing is, is way bigger than just the law. For example, um, the principle of the tithe is throughout the whole Bible. Okay, so first of all, Abraham tithed. If you remember when he got all the spoils, he tithed to Melchizedek. He had this principle in his life. That was 500 years before the law, before the law was ever given. Abraham was already tithing. Jacob tithed. He made this covenant with God. That was 400 years before the law. Jacob tithed when, when uh, he met God. And uh, he, he had an encounter with God, and he told him, he said, if you'll bless me, if you'll watch over me, he said, I'll give 10%. Every, everything that you bless me with, I'll give 10% back. Cain and Abel tithed, believe it or not. And this is inferred from the Scripture. That was 2,500 years before the law, where Cain, if, if you never understood what was going on with Cain and Abel and their offerings to God, this is what was going on. Cain, uh, Abel, was giving the, what the Bible calls the first fruits. First fruits in the Bible mean that first and best part, that first 10%. This is why I always say uh, we don't give God the leftovers. Tithing is, not, uh, tithing is not giving from your abundance. Tithing is not giving from your excess. Tithing is not giving from what left over. Tithing is when God blesses you, you take the first and the best part and you say, this is yours, I'll figure out how to make it on everything else. And a lot of people, they do it the opposite. They go, well, if there's anything left at the end of the month, I'll give that to God. That's not first fruits. That's last fruits. There ain't nothing about last fruits in the Bible. That's a whole different thing. First fruits mean the first and the best part. This, was, this meant when they brought their, their lambs and their goats and things like that, it had to be the first, the, the firstborn, male, spotless, no blemishes. Why? Because he knew, he knew the tendency of people. He said, well, you know, little Susie sheep over here, she's on her last leg. She's a little bit gimpy anyway, limping around. I think I see a tumor in her side. Let's give that one to the Lord. No, first and the best part goes to God. I, I had this uh, experience with one of my kids. I, I'm not going to say which one, but I had this experience with one of my kids where whenever we go to the store, we, have, uh, we use cash most of the time. And so, you know, I always have some coins left over in my hand. And I, I hate carrying change around in my pocket, so I always give it to the kids, and they love it, they'll keep it and save it, you know, whatever. So I was talking to one of them one day, and they said, they said, uh, I, somehow we started talking about the change that I was giving them, and they said, no, I, I don't want to give it away, they said, I use that for my tithe. I said, what are you talking about? They said, well, whenever I get money, like let's say I get 10 or $20, I go in that change, and I pick it out, and I pay my tithes with that, I said, that, that's not how it works. That what are you doing? I said, I, I apologize that I haven't taught you better on this. You don't give God from your leftovers, or worse, somebody else's leftovers. You give God the first and the best part. It's a, it's a principle. That's the way tithing works. And that was actually what was going on with Cain and Abel. Even though it doesn't explain all that, 
the, the wording that is used when he says that Cain, uh, that Abel brought the first fruits, how would he know what first fruits are? How would he know to bring a lamb that was spotless? How would he know any of that except it had already been explained by God uh, even before the law was given? That's why Cain's offering was rejected. Now, Cain, Cain's attitude was a lot like people in church today. Uh, some people in church today that I hear talk. See, Cain, he, he knew what he was supposed to bring, but he said, well, I'm a farmer. I'm not worried about it. I'll just bring these fruits and vegetables. And, and basically his attitude was this. It ought to, God ought to be thankful. He ought to be good for whatever I bring. That's not how God saw it. See, God said, no, you bring what I told you to bring because actually this has to do with more about your heart than it does anything else. And your heart's not in this. You have a mindset right now of just giving God what's convenient or what's easy or what the leftovers are. That doesn't honor God. That dishonors God. He said, no, you bring the first and the best part. And he even warned Cain, and he said, he said, Cain, this is simple. If you do well and you do right, you're going to be blessed. But if not, sin is crouching at the door, and it's going to get a foothold in your life through your attitude and your heart right now. All right, so let's look at the mentality of God on this. This is Malachi 3. Verse 7. This is probably the best explanation in Scripture of how God views it. Okay, Malachi 3 7, we're going to start there. Now, in Malachi, uh, we're getting a prophecy through Malachi to the people of God, to the nation of Israel, about how they're off track. All right, they're off track, they're, they're sinning, they've, they've gotten away from the way God, their heart's gone cold in a lot of areas. And so, God is talking to them in Malachi 3, 7 about this, and this is what he says. He says, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Notice, return to me, and I'll return to you. In other words, repent, and I'll meet you. I'll come. Those things that are missing in your life. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? They ask God. Okay, you want us to return. How? How do you want us to return? Verse 8, he asks a question. God asks a question. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Now, what you see here is a, a gap in their mentality of of actually who had ownership of the stuff. So the people, for whatever reason, they'd made whatever excuses they came up with, and they weren't, they weren't tithing as, as the law had instructed them to do. And God's saying, because of that, you're, you're far from me. You're separated from me. And he said, I want you to return to me. And they said, well, how? He said, well, first of all, let me ask you a question. Is a man so bold and so brazen that he would actually steal from God. Now, that's no doubt that's not how they saw it. They didn't think they were stealing from God. But it's important that we understand how God sees it because God looks at their finances and says, that first 10% is mine. And if you keep it and if you hold on to it, he says, you're actually stealing from me. So some people think about stewardship as, as we're talking about stewardship. They think, well, part of my stewardship is, is to tithe. Oh, well, another way to look at it is actually you're not asked to steward over 100%. You're asked to steward over 90% and automatically give that first 10% to God as an act of worship 
and as an act of obedience. So they weren't doing that. And notice how strong this is. He says, will a man rob God? Would a man be so bold to steal and rob from God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and in your contributions. In other words, that part which is mine, you've kept for yourselves. And this is strong. Now, in the New Testament, praise God, we're redeemed from the curse of the law. So I don't believe that we're under a curse like that for not tithing. This is what I do think. I think that you, you're, you're out from under the blessing of God, which that's not the same thing as being cursed, but it's not a good situation to be in. So he says, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation. Verse 10. Look at God's heart. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Here's what he's saying. I want you to put my house first. He says, I know you got your own needs. I know you got your own houses. I know you got your own stuff to take care of. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring the full tithe into my house first and put my house first. And if you do that, There's a blessing that's going to come on your life. Here's what he says. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test. You know, in in other places in Scripture, putting God to the test is a sin. But here, he invites you. He says, I want you to test me in this. I want you to test me and see what happens when you put me first in this area. And watch how automatic it is. Watch how predictable it is. That when you put me first, watch what happens in your life. He said, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Thereby put me to the test, says the Lord. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight says the Lord of hosts. Listen, there are many that are not uh, walking in this. I'm just talking about in the body of Christ, not necessarily in our church or anything like that, but just in the body of Christ, many that they've ignored this principle and they don't understand why there seems to always be lack. There always seems to be lack. And And he gives us a revelation here. He says, look, you need to understand that there's a devourer. There is a devourer that comes to devour the blessing on your life. And he said, when you're a tither, you're immune from that. When you're a tither, he said, I will rebuke the devourer. Now, you know, there's, a, there's places in Scripture where we're told to rebuke the devil, right? Resist the devil. He said, in this instance, you don't even have to do that. He said, if you tithe and you make this, this covenant with me, I will personally rebuke the devourer off of your finances and off of your life. This is a covenant promise to God. Now, I can't think of any other place in Scripture where God is... So bold to make a promise like this where he says, look, here, I lay this out for you. Test me in this. If you do this, watch what I'm going to do in your life. And you can see where it would be a, a cyclical blessing for you and the church and the kingdom of God. Because as you give, you're more blessed. Because you're more blessed, now you can give more. The kingdom has more, more resources to do, help, serve, reach. As you're more blessed, and the more you tithe, you're more blessed. And then you can tithe more, and it just keeps going like that. It's a cycle that God set up. So, number one, tithing puts the kingdom first and makes sure that God's purposes and God's plans are being accomplished on this earth. And 
you know, sometimes people think, well, you know, the gospel uh, should be free. Well, the gospel, the gospel is free. Nobody gets charged for the gospel. But to get the gospel out and to serve and build churches and missionaries and, and all the things that need to be done, there, there's a lot of expense to that. And what God says is, put my house first, put my things first, and I will make sure that your stuff is taken care of. What's the alternative? Well, the alternative is, is that you put yourself first and your stuff first, and now you're responsible to take care of it all. And God says, I have a better way. Take care of my stuff, and I'll make sure that your stuff is taken care of. That's his promise. That's his covenant. Notice what he says at the beginning here. And I want to be real careful how I communicate this because I don't want anybody to think I'm up here saying this morning, if you don't tithe, you're cursed by God. Not saying that. All right, let's get that out real, real clear. But look at what he said to them. I do think it's different for those who are in the New Testament. But look at what he said to them. Because you've kept back a part, he says you are cursed with a curse. Now this reminds me of when the children of Israel were going into Jericho. You remember when God gave them the promised land? This is what you always see tithing throughout the whole Bible. You're going to see it in everything. It's not just money. It happened with the cities, right? They go into Jericho. Jericho was the first city. Joshua was leading them into the promised land. Very first city was Jericho. God said, first city's mine. Jericho's dedicated to me. So he said, don't touch any of the silver or the gold. Don't touch anything in it. Don't touch any of the cattle. Don't touch any of the livestock. Don't touch any of the silver, any of the gold. Don't touch any of it. He said, they're all devoted to me as the first and best part. It was, it was a tithe, the principle of the tithe. Anybody know a man by the name of Achan? Anybody remember Achan? Achan was stingy and greedy. He was in Jericho. He saw some little goblet or something shiny that he had to have. And he went back, he took it, and he went back and he hid it in his tent. Nobody knew about it, so he thought. But see, God knew about it. God speaks to Moses. He says, the whole camp, everything is cursed. What? Why? He said, because somebody, I'm paraphrasing now. I'm going through this real fast. If you want all the King James, you had to go back and read it. But I'm, I'm just kind of running through it, telling you the synopsis. Moses said, what? Why, why are we cursed? What's going on? God said, because there's sin in the camp. Somebody touched the things that I said were mine. Somebody took the devoted things. He said, well, everybody searched the whole camp. We're going to figure out who it was. Now, Achan was smart. He dug a hole underneath his tent and, and put it down real deep, covered it back up, put his tent over the top of it. Well, God was smarter than him. They found out about it, and he paid a very, very severe price. Actually, he and his whole family died as a result of it. Now, that's not how it works in the New Testament. Thank God. For his grace, thank God for his mercy, thank God for that, okay? But it doesn't change the way God feels about it. Now, he may show more mercy and grace and all of it. It doesn't change the way that he sees it. When we, when we keep back something that God said is his, I don't believe that that brings pleasure to God. And I don't believe that's the best way for you. And remember, God actually has your best interest in mind. He's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you, but our old stingy heart sometimes, we can't see that. We can't see that God actually has our best interest in mind. Now, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know and, and should know, need to know, 
that the, the principles of the kingdom work completely different than the principles of this world, all right? Because common sense says if you want more, then you need to hold on to more, right? You need to save more, keep more, and let it grow and build. If you give it all away, you're not going to have anything left. That's common sense. That's just that's common sense principles of the world. But God says the kingdom is different. I have different principles set up in the kingdom. When you enter into tithing, you're entering into those principles that he's laid out. And we see this in Proverbs eleven twenty four. 24. Uh, Solomon observed this practically in the world. He said, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. How's that possible? How, how could you give freely away, yet you keep increasing? But it's a scripture. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers lack. Why is that? Because it's a spiritual principle. There's more going on than just what we can see in the natural. Verse 25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Here's what this scripture is actually saying is, God will oversee this process in your life. He will make sure that if you give away freely, you grow all the richer. But if you withhold what you should, it'll lead only to lack in your life. And I love verse 25. He said, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. In other words, when you're generous and you give as the Lord said, God's saying, I'm going to oversee your life that you get the very thing that you've been sowing and giving into other people's lives. Amen. Now listen, don't make excuses for this. Don't make excuses. Because your flesh, maybe even while you're sitting here in church right now, but certainly when you leave and go home, because it's Christmas time, right? You need extra money. Your flesh is greedy, and your flesh is sinful. Let me say our flesh. Sorry, I didn't mean to just turn it on you like that. Our flesh is sinful. Our flesh is greedy. Everybody has that in their life. And those, those excuses will start. But listen, you need to ask yourself, do I trust God's word? Do I honor God enough to implement this in my life? You know, I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful the way that my family uh, raised, you know, that my parents raised me because I was raised from the time I was a child to tithe. I mean, when we were kids, we couldn't wait to give. You know, any, we, we'd work out in our parents' nursery, and we'd get money. And on birthdays, you know, we'd get money. And we always were told, now set apart 10% to God, you know, and we'd do it. And we couldn't wait to get to church and give it in the offering. Man, from the time I was a kid, I've never had a time in my life where I've not been a tither, ever. Uh, and, and, it, and now my situation has gone up and down, right? I've had times where it was harder than others to, to stay faithful to it, but I've never not tithe. And I think that is the best way. If you have kids, I think it's the best way just to raise them from the, from the beginning, understanding this isn't yours. This part is not yours. And that way they never hold on to it like it's theirs. Because if you've held on to it your whole, whole life, like if you made it to 40 or 50 or 60 and you've never been a tither, it's going to be hard for you all of a sudden to just start letting go of that. Because you've been acting like it's yours this whole time. But it never was. And God said it wasn't. So, but it can still, it doesn't matter what age you're at, it's never too late to say, you know what, God, I've been doing this wrong, I'm going to repent, I'm going to put your word into action, I'm going to trust that your word is true, and that if I do this, that I'm going to put you to the test in this area and see what happens in my life. Here's, here's the most important thing to God 
concerning this subject. It's actually not about your wallet. All right, so get that out of your head. The most important thing to God is actually not about your wallet, not about how big your house is, not about how big, nice a car you drive. There's one thing that matters to God. It's your heart. Tithing is a, is a safety net. It's a, it's a safeguard around your heart so that money never becomes God in your life. This is a major problem in America and in the church world across the board is that Americans especially, they live as if money is God. And what tithing does is it puts that to death in your life. It puts that to death because every time you tithe, what you're saying is the kingdom of God matters more than my personal life. The kingdom of God matters more than those little things that I want. And so I'm putting God first. So it's actually not as much about your wallet as you think it is. It's really about your heart. Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives us a little insight into this. Mark chapter 4, verse 18. Now this whole passage, uh, Jesus is talking about the, the seed of the word of God and how it's sown into people's hearts and lives and whether or not that seed ends up being effective, right? Because just even in this morning, as I'm preaching, the word of God is being sown like a seed and it's going to take root in some people's lives and other people not. Right? That's, that's how it works. So Jesus is explaining that process. But notice what he says in verse 18 when he gets to the, the seed that was sown among thorns. All right? This is a parable that he's giving. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. Everybody say deceitfulness of riches. Yeah, the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. In, in other words, you've got a lot of desires in your heart and in your life. More than just the kingdom of God. More than just what God wants, right? You want your kids to have a good education. You, maybe you want them to play sports. Maybe you want to drive a nice car, build a new, new house, you know, on and on. All the aspirations and dreams that you have, they're good as long as they are submitted and put in their proper place. The moment that you don't have a handle on it, the moment that you don't have some mitigating factor in your life for those areas, they will creep into that top spot. I think it was John Calvin that said, the human heart is an idle factory. Meaning, it just constantly is making new idols. And if you ever notice an idol in your life, and you put that one to death, give it about six months, there'll be another one that rises up. And maybe you go, well, you know, I, I've, just let it, I've just let myself go with golfing. You know, I'm putting golf, I'm ahead of my family, ahead of God. I'm, I'm not golfing anymore. Well, watch out because next it'll be fishing. Then it'll be hunting. Then it'll be NASCAR. Then it'll be, you know, I don't know if you're older, Yahtzee. So I don't know. It'll be something, okay? But the human heart is an idle factory. I love that statement, meaning this. The sinful nature of the heart will always be trying to put something ahead of God. And money, don't kid yourself, money is one of the biggest idols in our world right now. It drives so much in our world. And people will put money ahead of God. They'll put money ahead of family. They'll put money ahead of other people's well-being. They'll put money ahead of everything else. 
acting as if it's God in their life. And so this is what Jesus said. He said, the word came into a person's life. Many times the word comes in. And they heard the word, and the word started taking root. But the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entered in and choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. Listen, tithing mitigates that process in your life. Tithing is a resistance against that process of the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, the desire for other things that try to come in and choke out the word. When you tithe and put God first in your finances, it, it prevents that from happening in your life. Because every time you tithe, there's a little part of you that dies. Every time you tithe, there's a little part of you that yields to God. Every time you tithe, there's a little bit of greed and unselfishness that goes down. And it's a constant reminder, God is first and I am not. God's things are first and mine are not. This is why tithing is so important. Another reason tithing is so important is because tithing is literally a part of who you are. In other words, you traded the most valuable thing that we have, which is our time. You traded time for that money, right? You went to work, you, you sweat, you put up with people, you put up, you did all, and they gave you some money in exchange. And so when you give that to God, you're giving literally a part of your life, a part of who you are. You're giving that to God. You're sacrificing it to put God's kingdom and God's things first. Now, the deceitfulness of riches. This is mentioned several times in Scripture. What is the deceitfulness of Scripture? Of uh, the deceitfulness of riches. Well, the deceitful nature of riches is the lie that the more you have, the happier you will be. Right? The more stuff you get. The more freedom you get because of financial, more vacations you're able to take, the bigger homes, the more stuff you're able to buy, the happier you will be. That is the deceitfulness of riches, right? You've seen it destroy many people's lives in our world. I mean, you look at Hollywood. You look at people that are famous. They got tons of money. They're, some of them are divorcing. Some of them are killing themselves. Some of them are going through drug rehab. Why? Because the, the deceitfulness of riches. Riches don't bring happiness. That is the deceitfulness of it. Now, I'm not saying it's not temporary and short-lived. I'm not saying it's not like a little burst, but it, it's not long-term. And, it, and here's why. Your life was meant to run on one thing. The, the fuel of your life, the source of your life, is when God is at the center. And when you put anything else at the center, you're going to be miserable. Because it's, it's not how you were designed to run. The human being was created by God to run off of His presence, His Spirit, His Word, fellowship with Him. And you show me a person that is in right fellowship with God, has a prayer life where they're worshiping God, God's at the center, they're, they're reading His Word, they're happy, I promise you, you don't have to tell me anything else about their life, they're happy. Whether or not their marriage is good, whether or not their finances are good, whether or not their circumstances are good, there's going to be happiness there when God is at the center of your life. But on the other hand, you show me a person that has everything that the world could possibly want, but they don't have God at the center, they're going to be miserable because those things can never produce in your life what you're trying to make them produce. This is why he says the deceitfulness of riches. It's deceptive. 
it will trap you, it will get you off track, and it will take you to a place that you, want, that you don't want to go. Well, again, tithing mitigates that. Tithing keeps your focus. Because when you tithe, you have to sacrifice. When you tithe, you have to put your things on the back burner. Look, we do it as a church. I, I firmly believe it's one of the reasons why our church is so blessed. Because everything that comes into One Life Church, the first 10% right off the top, goes to somebody else. It goes to some other ministry, our missionaries that we support, other churches right off the top, and we've done that from day one. Well, guess what? Our building is paid for. This, this building, this whole property is paid for. When we built the student center, we were planning on borrowing money. We were planning on borrowing money to do phase one of the student center. It was paid off before we ever even completed it. Then we, our plan was to wait to wait a couple years and recoup some finances until we went into phase two. Well, after one year, we already had the money to be able to pay cash for phase two. Now, we didn't do phase two because all the prices of lumber and everything went crazy and through the roof. So we said, well, we're going to wait just a little bit. So, but guess what? We're going we're to do phase two probably this year. And when we do, we're not going to borrow a single penny, all while putting God first through tithes and offerings. And let me tell you something. That's not always been easy. You know why? Because, like, for example, when this building got paid off, that was, that was because there was a million-dollar gift. And we had to tithe off of that. Or I should say, we got to tithe off of that. But I don't care if it's $1 or if it's a million dollars. The principle of the tithe is the same. And it's going to God and His kingdom, and we're putting Him first no matter what. I hope one day we have to give away a million dollars in tithe because God just blessed us that much and we're doing so much for the kingdom. But let me tell you something. We've never lacked. From day one, God told me, I'm going to carry the finances of this ministry. Here's what you do. And, and we do tithe as a ministry, but we do more than that. We actually do more than that. But the point is, as we've taken care of others, we've been taken care of beyond our wildest dreams. God, had, we've never lacked for anything. And the, the principle that I'm describing is the same in individuals' life. It's the same as it is for churches, same as it is for, same as it is for individuals. This principle works because God is faithful. Look at what Proverbs 10.22 says. The blessing of the Lord makes rich but adds no sorrow with it. And you see, that's the difference. You might can get rich without God. You might can get rich doing it your way. But there's going to be sorrow that comes along with it. I mean, I've seen people get rich, but it cost them every single thing in their life. Their marriages, by the time it's over, their marriage is destroyed. Their kid, they're alienated from their kids. All the, they, they, sometimes it can cost you everything. Well, the Lord says, no, I, let, let's do it my way and you'll get both. Let's do it my way. I'll bring blessing on your life, but there'll be no sorrow with it. Everything will be intact by the time it's over. Uh, you'll still have your marriage. You'll still have your kids. You'll still have your health. You'll still have everything, but you'll be blessed as well if we do it my way. But again, the flesh nature doesn't want to do it God's way because God's way takes too long. God's way requires too much faith. God's way requires too much sacrifice. Yeah, but if you do it God's way in the long run, you'll be way more happy. You'll be way more blessed if we do it God's way. See, the sad thing is that I've seen many times is that actually God and people actually want the same thing for their life. God wants you to be blessed. You want to be blessed. Right? Who in here doesn't want to be blessed? 
You want to be happy? You want, listen, God wants the same thing for you. God wants you to be blessed. But he, he's taking you through a process of how to do it where you still have everything intact and you don't go off into idolatry and this deceitfulness of riches and all these other things that come along with it. Look, here's the last thing I want to tell you before we close this morning. Tithing moves the kingdom forward. This is the principle from the very beginning that God put in place to move his kingdom forward. The way he did it in the Old Testament, there were 12 tribes. And the tribe of Levi was the, the tribe that was in charge of the house of God. Right? They had to have, you know, they had to take care of the temple. They had to, they had to do all the sacrifices. They had to make all the oil and the fragrance and the anointing on all of that. They had to do all of that. And because they were tied up doing that, they didn't have land, like they weren't allowed to own land the same way the other tribes were. Everybody else had land. And here's what God said. He said, this tribe is going to take care of the house of God, and I want the other 11 tribes to take care of the tribe of Levi. So y'all are going to give 10, everything, 10% to the house of God, and the tribe of Levi is going to take care of their, their families and their tribes in the house of God, and the kingdom of God is going to go forward. From that day until now, it's still how it works. The tithe comes in. And it's because of that tithe that the church of Jesus Christ from 2,000 years ago and even before that in the Old Testament, from then until now, it's how everything has gotten done in the kingdom of God. Every person that's ever been saved through the church, every person that's ever been saved, I'm talking about worldwide, has been because somebody gave and tithed off of what God had asked them to do. So it's how the kingdom of God moves Forward, And what I want to tell you is, if I, were in, if I were in your shoes and I was in your place, I would want to be part of that. I would want to partner with that. Now, let me say a closing word here on this. If you sit here and you hear that and you say, well, I'm not doing it. Hey, no problem. That, that's not, look, that's not the point of this at all. The point of what we were talking about today is to be faithful and true to the Word of God and to be faithful and true to you as your pastor to tell you what God says on it. Now, once you've heard what God says, that's between you and Him, whatever you do. Nobody's checking up on you. Like, I don't, I don't count the offering. I don't do the offering here. We have people on staff that do that. I don't know what anybody's giving or not giving. So it doesn't come from that, all right? And, and it doesn't matter like that. What I wanted you to do is, is hear how God sees it and then that's between you and him what you do or don't do. But I'll tell you this, as his word has said, you won't regret it. You won't regret it.